How's everyone today? Awesome. We are going to start a series today called Enemies of the Heart. I think we might have a graphic uh, for that. Um, Enemies of the Heart. Do you know, like, uh, from the beginning of life and all of your life, there are things that come against us that have a way of just tearing us down, keeping us down, uh, and being destructive to our heart. I'm not talking about the physical heart. I'm not talking about, uh, one of my messages is not going to be titled, don't go to McDonald's, okay? <laughs> when I say enemies of the heart, I'm talking about that thing that, uh, you know, that thing inside of you, that invisible thing that hurts so bad when you were told in 10th grade, I just want to be friends. <laughs> and maybe you use those words yourself. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm talking about that invisible thing that swells with pride when, when your kids do something great. Or uh, in my case, when my, life, my wife gives me that famous look from the front row. You know? Um, but also, truth be told, our, our heart can have uh, responses that aren't always swelling with pride. You know? Our heart can have responses like, when my kid comes home and says he's being treated mis- uh, unfairly in his classroom by his teacher, you know? Or how I feel toward the coaches not putting my kid in to play uh, football. You, you know what I mean? And, and so uh, we want to we go after these things that have the potential uh, to, to hold down our heart. Um, so this heart is not the physical, it's, it's that mysterious part of us, the invisible, that really helps us to relate to one another, to love, uh, to, to have fear, to laugh, um, to experience life. This is the heart that I'm talking about today. When I was in seventh grade, very early in the day, one of the days in school, um, I, grew, I went to Grant Middle School. And the very early in the day, a, a call came on the intercom. And it went something like this. Mrs., I don't remember the teacher at the time. Mrs., whatever, Smith, we'll just go with Smith. Is, is Jim Tuttle in your classroom this morning? And I recognized very quickly that it was the vice principal, Mr. Stark. And she said, yes, Mr. Stark, Jim Tuttle is in my classroom this morning. And he then proceeded to say, could you please have him come down to my office? And I knew, I knew what this was all about. I knew the reason for the call. I thought I had gotten away with it. The people around uh, who watched the incident told me they wouldn't say a word. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't happen that way. It didn't turn out that way. It turned out that way. In fact, I'm betting all of them just began to point the finger. So uh, prior to, to class that day, I was in a semi-entertainment mode, you know, as a seventh grader. Uh, you you, you want to entertain and make people happy and laugh at you and like you. So uh, I was a walker. We walked to school. And, and typically the people who walked had a little bit of time before the school doors were open and you were allowed to come into the classroom. So we would congregate at this one door. It was a little cubbyhole type door. And, and uh, we would wait there till the door was unlocked and we were allowed to go into uh, the school, to our lockers, to our classrooms, so on and so forth. And I just so happened to have a pack of firecrackers on me that day. 
And uh, I was very proud of the fact that I had access to fireworks, you know what I mean? So uh, someone challenged me or, or uh, suggested that I should light that pack of fireworks off. Well, that I did. And, uh, and then again, everyone promised not to say a word. And, and I, I made my way, as I made my way to that principal's office that day, I went in and, and there was no getting out of it. I couldn't lie my way out of it. He knew it was me. And so in those days, they had this paddle. And this paddle was long, and it was, probably, it was probably shaped like maybe this wide, this long, and then a handle. And it had holes in it, right? And I got paddled that day as a result of uh, the decision I made. And I learned very quickly, uh, you know, you just don't light firecrackers on school property. And I never did it again. You see, the strange thing is we learn, we learn how to modify our behavior to do what's right, right? Uh, another incident a couple years later, or sometime later, um, I was, I was, I was in, we lived on the north side and I would ride my bike everywhere with my friends and, and back in that, those days there was this, this drug store called Phase Drugs. Some of you may be familiar with, with Phase Drugs and, uh, so we ended up at Shop City at Phase Drugs, and I, I didn't have any money with me, but I wanted candy, so I chose to take candy that day. And as I was leaving that drugstore, a man placed his hand on my shoulder and said, I want to talk to you about what you have inside your jacket. And I got caught stealing that day. Uh, he took me to the back room, and we began to fill out paperwork. I didn't get arrested, thankfully, but my mom got called. I probably would have preferred to get arrested <laughs> if I had a choice. And I'll never forget, honestly, the look on my mom's face. Uh, it was a look of devastation and brokenness as a result of a decision I made. Well, n- needless to say, I never stole from a store again. You know, the funny thing is we, we learn to modify Uh, our behavior, we change the things that we do based upon the potential consequences that we could face. Sometimes the smart ones learn from other people, right? Other people's mistakes. And then there's the others, right? And they have to learn from their own mistakes, right? And and so uh, I don't know about you. I'm sure you have your stories of getting caught, you know, the soap in the mouth, the hot sauce in the mouth, the, you know, uh, you had to go cut your own switch or the punishments that you face based upon the, the brilliant ideas you and your friends came up with, right? And you chose to execute. Am I alone here today? No, we're, we're, all, we're all in the same boat. So there's lessons to be learned. There's lessons to be learned uh, in life as, as we go through life. And what I've noticed is this. We choose to learn from these lessons or we choose not to. And when we learn from these lessons, we modify our behavior so that we no longer, uh, we no longer make those kinds of choices anymore. Uh, again, I'm talking to you about enemies of the heart, and I'm going somewhere with this. Um, but so how this progresses in life is we learn the things not to do and the, not, uh, the things not to say. You know, uh, we, we've got to be careful with our words. We learn how to be careful with our words and our actions to get through school, to get to uh, find a date, to keep a date, to, um, to get a job, to keep a job, to succeed in relationships, to fix relationships. We, we know what we have to do to make these things successful. 
But I want to say something. That doesn't necessarily mean that our heart is right in all these things. Right? Just because we modify our behavior, just because we behave in a different way, doesn't mean our heart is, is right in a lot of things. In fact, I see Christians all the time, you know, they modify their behavior because they think there's this, this look that the Christian has, this, this type of behavior that the Christian has to have. Uh, the, the things that a Christian should say, they say. And we do this in all of life. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. We do this in all of all aspects of our lives, to keep relationships, to keep people in our lives happy, to keep, to keep our bosses happy with us, you know, to our teachers, we want them to be happy with us, so we say what we need to say, and we do what we need to do. At least that's, that's my experience, okay? I'm being a little bit transparent with you today so that we can sort of get you in a mode of beginning to think that way. But let me tell you something, Jesus did not come to make us good people, he did not come solely to modify our behavior. He, his, his purpose in coming wasn't to make us good, right? To make us good, well-behaved, good-speaking people. That wasn't his purpose in coming. He came to transform our hearts. He came to change us from the inside out. And a lot of times what we see is people operating on the outside only when in reality there's something deep down inside that's not right. You know, and so in this series, we want to go after that. We want to we want to expose some things of the heart, um, not to embarrass anyone or myself, although I probably embarrassed myself a few times. I'm okay with that. But but to help us move along and unhinder the things that are in our hearts so that we become more free in Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to take you in the Bible to Matthew chapter 15. This is just going to be the introductory uh, message in this series today. And I want to take you to Matthew 15, because I believe there is a solution to, a, to the problems of the heart, and that is that God wants to work the things out of us from the inside out. And we'll see this here in this, this passage. Matthew 15, we're going to look at verse 18, starting in verse 18. And it says this, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. The things that come out of our mouths come from our heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. What is this conversation about? Jesus is talking to Pharisees who were all about the outside. They were all about making the outside look good. In fact, they were so much about uh, focusing on the outside and modifying behavior and controlling the words that came out of the mouth and their actions that, you know, the law of Moses was not enough for them. In fact, I believe that there are in the Old Testament 613 laws. But that wasn't enough for them. So they made laws of their own, which is called the tradition of the elders. And they're, they number 500. So they made 500 additional rules uh, above and beyond the law of Moses so that these rules were to keep you from violating the law of Moses. So I'll give you an example. The argument here ensues between these Pharisees and Sadducees and Jesus' disciples because they, they came back from the field in ministry and they were about to eat some food that was put in front of them, but they had not washed their hands. Oh my goodness. End of the world. 
So one of the, we, we discover as we read this passage that one of the uh, traditions of the elders is you have to wash your hands. Now this, this tradition was brought into place because uh, one of the law, the law of Moses says that you shouldn't defile yourself. So they're saying we're going to make a law in addition to the law of Moses so that we won't even come close to defiling ourselves. So one of our laws or rules is you have to wash your hands from the elbows to your fingertips really, really, really good before you eat. Now, that is, that's good practical hygiene. In fact, if you're inviting me over for dinner, please wash your hands <laughs> from your elbows to your fingertips. But the, ultimately, these, these rules, these traditions of the elders became equivalent in their eyes and in their mind to the law of Moses. And Jesus uh, goes through this process of refuting them. In fact, one of the big beefs that the Pharisees had with Jesus is he broke all the traditions of the elders. They're always upset about what he's doing. Why? Because that was not God's rule. That was man's rule. And man's rule is religion. Okay? Man's rule is, is about the outward. It's about how can, what can man do to get closer to God when God already made a way for us to get closer to him. He's, he initiated it, right? So, so God's interested in our hearts and in relationship. Someone is calling me. Excuse me for a second. I'm not going to answer it, but... Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Driving me nuts. All right. I didn't know, you know, who that could be. So, so... Uh, Religion says, what can I do to get closer to God? And God says, I've made a way for mankind to be in relationship with me. So mankind tries to invoke these rules. You've got to read this much. You've got to pray this much. You've got to say this. You've got to do this. You've got to smile, at the right, you've got to smile out the right side of your face. And, and you know, you've, you've, got to, you've got to do all these things to earn favor with God. And, and that's the outward stuff. And Jesus called them on it many, many times. He said things like, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You, you're so concerned with the outside of the cup, but inside the cup is like, it's full of dead men's bones. You are dying inside, and yet on the outside you look perfect. Your, your robes are nice and white and nice and pressed, and, and you look great on the outside. Inside, there's nothing going on that's good. And so Jesus is after the heart of these people. In this instance, Jesus is saying this. Now, this is where we need to land here. He says, but the things, verse 18, that come out of a person's mouth, they were worried about the things that would go inside as they ate that could make them unclean. He's saying it's the things that come out of your mouth that make you unclean. In essence, the things that you say, right? The things that you say reveal what is in your heart. Do you want to know what's in a person's heart? Stick around, stick around them long enough and listen to how they talk. You'll have a clear picture of what's going on in somebody's heart. Again, we're not talking about the physical heart. We're talking about the heart that hurts and loves and, and celebrates and, and swells with pride. We're talking about that invisible thing that God has placed uh, within every person. So he says the things that come from our heart defile us. And he goes on to say, out of the heart come evil thoughts. You would say, what? I know these are in red. I know Jesus is talking, but he's got it all wrong. Thoughts do not come from our heart. Thought comes from our mind. Thoughts come from our mind, right? Don't we think that way? But I, if Jesus is right, I think he's right in this matter. 
He's saying that the, not only the words that come from our mouth come from our heart, but also the thoughts that we have originate in our heart. And not only the thoughts, because you'll begin to see now some actions out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sex, so on and so forth, sexual immorality. So, so here, Jesus is looking, it's as if Jesus is taking, I, I think they're called an arteriosope, which the, there's this thing that they put in your veins and they can run up as a camera. It can look at the condition of your heart. And can tell if there's clogs, if there's, you know, if it's beating right, if it's, if things. This is what Jesus is doing in the spiritual realm to all of mankind. And he's saying, I I see your heart. I know your heart. You don't have to pretend on the outside that everything's okay. I want to deal with the inside first of your life. Is this making sense yet? So, so Jesus, Jesus is, is trying to, once again, he, he's trying to change the thinking of the people because the thinking of the people is if I look okay and I talk like I'm uh, uh, okay and I dress okay and I say things that make people think everything's good, then they must conclude that everything's good. And he's saying, I have come to deal with matters of the heart. I've come to deal with matters of of the heart. Now, so practically, what does this look like? Because, you know, and, and this would apply to anyone who's been a Christian for many years, or if you're a brand new Christian, or if you're not a Christian yet at all, because our heart can really uh, uh, be impacted by our life. I'm going to get into the reasons I think our heart, you know, we start to carry junk in our, in our lives. And, and one of the things I've noticed is we don't really monitor what's going on in our heart. We monitor behavior. If my kid is doing something stupid, I'm going to tell you that was not a wise choice. Tell him that's not a wise choice, right? Very typically, we punish based upon behavior, but we miss the point that Jesus is making here, that there's something deeper beyond just the action. There's something deeper beyond just the words, right? When words come out of a a, a person's mouth like, I hate you, it's a lot deeper than just the words. That's coming from that person's heart. And that's typically a reflection of something that has happened or has, has gone on that has yet to be dealt with in that person's life. And so we could be walking into church, we could be smiling, we could be doing all the right things and saying all the right things, and yet inside, there's, there can be stuff that has yet to be dealt with in our lives that really affect our relationships, the words we speak, the thoughts we have, the actions we take in life. That's what Jesus is saying uh, to us here today. So, so here's, here's an example. Um, you know, Jesus, Jesus talked about, and you could also read this in Matthew 7. He gives a few different other things that, that come from the heart um, as well. But say, for example... You know, you, you're pretty good at, at, at controlling your behavior as it relates to the anger that you know is deep inside of you. This, this may just apply to a few people or several people, several people in the room. You're pretty good, you know, at the right places, at the right times. You can smile and say the right thing, but inside you're seething. You know what I'm saying? You're pretty good, but, but sometimes that filter that you have that controls that behavior begins to run thin. 
And very typically, that filter uh, runs thin when you're around people that you love the most. Because you can let your guard down a little bit when you're around people that you love the most. And you've, you've noticed that not only are, have you been seething inside from time to time, but also the words that you have spoken or been speaking of later getting more and more harsh. And perhaps it scares you. Perhaps, perhaps your, your loved one or someone near to you says, calm down. They use the words, calm down. It's going to be okay. But something inside of you begins to rage. You know where that comes from? It comes from the heart. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that something in your heart needs to be healed. And so we have things that, uh, uh, you know, shrapnel or things that attach to our heart that try, that, that uh, have an effect upon how we live our lives, how we relate to one another, how we, how we love, how, you know, how we can live in joy. How can we uh, have a relationship, an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ? It, this, this thing impacts everything about our lives. Everything. And the funny thing is, I notice people try and bury it and hide it instead of deal with it. It's like that behavior modification. I can control it, control it, control it. But ultimately, the thing that is in there will show itself by the things we say, the things we speak, or the things we do. That's what Jesus is telling us uh, through this passage. I talked about anger. How about forgiveness? You know, we're happy about being forgiven. We love Jesus. We're so thankful to him. But we struggle forgiving others. You know where that comes from? It comes from the heart. Maybe, maybe we, we, we struggle when we, we see other people's successes. We have a problem with other people succeeding, moving on, getting promotion, uh, having favor in their lives. Or on the flip side, maybe we celebrate when we see people around us experience failure in life. That comes from the heart. These things come from the heart. And, and I would just go as far as to say every one of us really need to be in a place of looking, not how can I show people or pretend that my outward, everything's okay in my life by my outward appearance. We should be in a place of looking inwardly and say, where did that come from? Have you ever had, uh, ever had the experience that you're just talking, you're just talking, having a conversation, all of a sudden something comes out and you're like, oh. Where did that come from? Jesus said it comes, comes from your heart. That there's something down deep inside that has yet to be dealt with that uh, he's given you an opportunity to deal with. It's from your heart. So uh, where, how does it get there? How, how do these things get in our heart? How, how do we get to a place where, for lack of better words, we have some, some damage to our heart? How, how do we get there? Well, I think, in my opinion, it starts at childhood. For many of us, we, you know, it could, be re, it could be rejection, abandonment. It could be something someone said. It could be, you know, I, I was a kid who was picked on when I was a little kid. You know, maybe, maybe those things uh, took their toll on you. And really, ultimately, as you... As you uh, track these out, they have an impact and they could be having an impact even to this day in your life. So, so it could start in child, childhood, but also life has a way of just 
taking over. There's pains, there's discouragements, there's disappointments that come our way. And how we handle those determines whether we have walls around our heart or um, if our heart's, uh, you know, uh, pure and, and healthy and not hindered by the effects of life. And, and we have a tendency to bury these pains, uh, hide them, we're ashamed of them. Uh, we have a tendency to, to just come to the conclusion that this is who I am. That's just my personality, right? When really you, your personality has been shaped many times by the things that have occurred um, in your life. And, and words, if you use words like this, this, this should cause you to think. If you use words like, I'll never trust again. Or, you know, you, uh, I'll never love again. I'll never give my heart to anyone. Or things like, I don't need anybody. Or she broke my heart. He broke my heart. Or uh, something to the effect of, uh, he wounded. He wounded me. Then I would challenge you and encourage you to begin to look inwardly and ask God to begin to heal that which took place inside. And, and the cool thing is that God doesn't just leave us as, okay, you're, you're you know, you, you have trust issues. You have walls around your heart. He doesn't leave us there. He gives us an avenue for us to receive healing. And this is a big deal. As a pastor, I run across people all the time on a weekly basis that have stuff going on in their heart that is impacting their relationships, impacting their lives, impacting their words, impacting their actions all the time. And, and so God wants to, God wants to free us from, from these effects of a wounded heart and bring healing to where we're at. He, he is close to the brokenhearted. He does not withdraw himself. He, come, he draws closer so that he can bring healing into your life. I believe that firmly. So um, not only as a child, not only do we experience things uh, as an adult, but also we have some self, self-afflicted wounds. You know, some of us sitting in this room right now at this very moment are sitting on secrets that you refuse to tell or deal, tell anyone about or deal with or get forgiven about. You, you, you know, uh, you're, just, you're just sitting on a secret, and that builds walls around our heart. You know, it, it doesn't allow us to be who we really are. Sometimes it leads us into a place where we have to lie to cover up. Um, we have to deceive people. We have, to, we have to hide things. It's not good. Also, shame. Shame can be lodged in our hearts. We, we really haven't fully received the forgiveness that Jesus has made available to us. And when shame is lodged in our heart, that's, and we, and we don't, there's, a, there's an avenue for healing, but we haven't received it, haven't, haven't allowed it to happen. Um, it's a self-inflicted wound. And it impacts everything about who we are. So, so our response to these dings, if you will, these dings in life will determine uh, the effect that they have on our lives. They'll, it'll determine the condition of our hearts. And, and I want you to turn in your Bibles. I want to take you to one more passage. So Jesus identifies that out of the heart, this precious, invisible uh, thing within us flows words that can defile us. It flows thoughts that can defile us and flows actions um, that are not good. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Solomon. And this guy, Solomon, is, even to this day, is still known 
thousands of years later as the wisest man that ever lived on the face of the earth. He wrote books like Ecclesiastes, uh, much of Proverbs, the, the Song of Solomon. He wrote these books in the Bible. He was the son of King David. Solomon himself was a king. And he wrote about everything under the sun. He wrote about money and how to manage money and how to avoid sin and, and uh, you know, business. He, he wrote about how to approach kings. He wrote about everything, relationships, family, poor people, rich people, how a poor person can interact with a rich person, how a rich person can interact with a poor person. And everything under the sun, this man Solomon writes about. And he says something very powerful in Proverbs 4.23, one of my life verses. Proverbs uh, 4.23 says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I was looking up different translations. Uh, the New Living Translation has a pretty powerful statement. It says, above all else, guard your heart because it determines the course of your life. And so, of all these things this wise man wrote about, he says, above all else, meaning, you know, I've written tons and tons and tons of stuff, but this is the most important thing above everything else that I've written, everything else that you've learned, everything else that you've come to understand. You need to understand this one thing. You need to guard your heart. And that may sound great. Maybe you have that verse memorized, but how... Do you do that? What does that look like in real life? How do we guard our heart? And so let's just, let's just talk about that for a couple minutes. Now, if you guard something, it's obviously pretty precious to you, right? Right? You probably guard in some way. Maybe you hide jewelry, precious jewelry in your home. Maybe you have money or weapons or, or things in your home, and you guard them because they, they mean something to you, and you don't want them to get into the wrong hands, right? Maybe to you, you guard your children when you're out with them, right? Or you guard your spouse, your husband or your wife, because they're precious to you. So he says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I don't think we get this. I don't think we get this concept because everything we do, if you're a student, your life as a student flows from your heart. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, your relationship flows out of the health, uh, a healthy condition or the unhealthy condition of your heart. Everything you do, Solomon writes, flows from your heart. And this really, to me, is very similar or in line with what Jesus was saying in Matthew 15. It's a lot bigger deal than we, we, we give it credit for. In fact... Maybe up to this point, you've never guarded your heart. It's all about, you know, I'll change the way I talk. Honey, I'm sorry I did it again. I won't say that again. And, and maybe you don't because you're changing your behavior. But the reality is if there's something deeper going on inside of you, that's still being uh, left, uh, left as is, undealt with. It's not being changed. Is this making sense? I, I hope it's making crystal clear sense to you that we can... We in our lives, we have a habit, even as we parent, we have a habit of modifying behavior, but the bigger deal is what's going on in the heart. And many times that habit is to ignore, ignore the heart 
and focus on the behavior. And Jesus came to reverse all that. He came in, in a day when the religious tradition and everything that was going on was all about the outward appearance. And he's saying that this, this is not the right approach. We want to work from the inside out. And so we're going to talk about enemies of the heart over the next several weeks and go after some things and just believe God's going to bring a, a, a great deal of healing in our lives. But the reality is no one ever taught us to guard our heart. You're not sitting in here guilty and a bad person. We weren't taught that way. We were taught to change the way we behave. We were taught to change what we say. We were taught to do things differently. And Solomon's telling us we need need to take watch over what comes in and what goes out. And when things come in and go out... And it seems that it's not right. It's not lining up with God's word. It, it, maybe, maybe it's spoken from a heart of hurt. Maybe it's, it's, it comes out with a, a flavor of bitterness or anger or unforgiveness or, or um, whatever, whatever. It, it comes out in a way that's not healthy. We need to learn as adults to look at that and, and begin to bring it before God and say, God, you know what? I, I, what I said, I don't know. I, I know where that came from, but I don't know what's going on in my heart that would cause me to say that. I don't know what's going on in my heart that would cause me to celebrate someone else's demise. Why do I, why do I, why do I feel good about something like that? Why do I feel good when, when, when uh, I succeed but others don't succeed? And why do I feel bad when others succeed and I don't? What is going on? In my heart. And so uh, guarding our heart is really, it's like in, in the medical profession, I know I'm just going to butcher this up, but in the medical profession, sometimes they have like a monitor, a heart monitor that tracks and records uh, what's going on with your heart. Are there palpitations? Is it beating right? Is it being too fast, too slow? Uh, what's the blood pressure like? All these things, and it tracks it, and then the doctor looks at it and begins to... Uh, uh, formulate an analysis based upon the, the findings of that monitor. And what Solomon's, Solomon's saying to us is for our heart of hearts, the invisible, uh, miraculous, amazing thing that God put inside of us, we've got to be like that heart monitor for ourselves. We've got to let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to us about uh, what's going on inside of us. Is there, is there stuff there that uh, needs to be dealt with? Is there stuff that, that we need to bring before the Lord and ask him to heal us of or let go of? Is our heart hurting? So I want to ask you this question. In a few moments, I'm going to go through a series of questions that I, that I talk about with my kids or in a roundabout way. How is your heart? How is your heart? Uh, as my kids grew up, my wife and I just do this. It's natural. But we look at those things all the time. We ask them, how are you doing? Are you okay? Did something happen at school today? Is everything good at school? Are, are people saying things to you or hurting you? Uh, you know, and, and so we're, we're trying because I believe as adults, we need to help our kids learn how to guard their hearts. I don't think inherently they would understand or know how to do that. So it's a process of training for us 
to train our kids up in this way? Because when something's there, we know it's wrong, and then we can help them deal with it until ultimately they're able to deal with, them, deal with it themselves. And so we ask all kinds of just probing questions. Sometimes we get like grunts in return, just to be honest with you. How how you doing? Yeah, yeah. Really, really, sounds good. Did you have a good day? Yeah, yeah. But but we're but honestly, we we really, and I believe it's just God that we've always been um, really concerned about our kids and their hearts. And I know as parents in this place, you would be too. But maybe for yourself, you haven't known how to guard your heart, and so you would never know how to guard your children's heart as well. So I, I want to just take you through a, a few questions as, as I close today in dealing with this question or these thoughts. Are our hearts okay? So I want to have you just close your eyes for a moment. And uh, I'm not going to do anything crazy up here, but just ask you questions. And I'm just asking you to close your eyes so that you can not be distracted, but focus on what's being said and perhaps um, allow the Holy Spirit to, to prompt some things, some thoughts in your, uh, in your mind and in your heart about how you're doing. So here we go. Is everything okay in your heart? Are you mad at anybody? Did you say something that hurt somebody today? Did anybody say anything that hurt you today? Are you waiting for someone to come and make things right with you? Do things come out of your mouth regularly that you have to apologize for? Do you celebrate someone's failure? Are any secrets eating away at you? Is there anything going on in your life that you hope no one discovers? Is there a question that you hope no one ever asks you? Have you, allied, have you lied to somebody recently that you love? How's your heart? I believe for us to be the kind of healthy believers that God has called us to be, those who follow Jesus, he's made a way for us to be healthy from the inside out. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to pose. We don't have to act like everything's okay. But when we begin to be honest with ourselves and take the reality of where we're at, what's going on in our heart to God, he's going to help us experience the kind of healing and bring us to a place, place that we have the kind of healthy heart that uh, is able to help and bless and encourage others and not only experience freedom for ourselves, but lead people to freedom, uh, lead other people to freedom as well. So I want to pray for you as, as we close today. Would you stand to your feet? We'll just close. I'll, I'll pray. I want to ask you this, this uh, I want to ask you to do this. This week, begin to pay more attention to what's, what's coming out. The thoughts you have, the, the words you say, the actions You've taken the way you treat people close to you and begin to, to ask God, God, I, I know you've called me to guard my heart. Would you help heal this area? I don't know why I'm saying these things. I don't know why I feel this way. I, I, it's frustrating to me, but I know something's inside that's not right. That is not who you are. 
It is not the result of the personality that has developed over, uh, over your life that God has made you to be. He wants you to be free, and he will help you walk in that freedom. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, today, I just give you praise, Lord God, that, Lord, you are concerned with, with matters of the heart. You are concerned with us from the inside out. We don't, we don't have to pretend. We don't have to play. We could be real with you, God. And, Lord, I pray for each and every person in this place, as well as myself, God, that, Lord, that we would discover uh, true healing deep, 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 deep inside for our hearts. Lord, we would, we would be healthy. Uh, David wrote, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart is the answer that he gave to that question. Lord, we want to be people of pure hearts, Lord. Lord, we don't want to, uh, uh, Lord, live in guilt, anger, bitterness, jealousy. Lord, we don't want uh, things that come out from our life, Lord, to defile us, Lord. We want to be pure in your sight, in your sight, Lord God. So, Lord, do a work in our hearts today. We, we give our lives over to you. Uh, speak to us this week, God. Do some hard operations uh, this week in our lives, God. Begin to tear out things that don't belong, Lord. So we give you permission. We love you. I bless your people today, God. May they go with the, with the insight and the understanding that from this day on, we are called to guard our hearts, for out of it flows all of life, God. So I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you.